This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Welcome to the R Boys After Show. We are breaking down chapters three and four, really diving into the investigation and the murder of Muhammad Abu Qadir. Uh, there's a lot to break down, so stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz. What's up, AfterBuzzers? Cold stop. Um, chapters three and four, we have a lot to break down. I was crying the entire time. I don't know about you guys. Before we get into it, I'm Steph Sabra. I'm all about social human rights. Uh, the Palestinian and Israeli conflict has been a part of everything that my family has taught me growing up. So I love that we're covering this show. We have a new panelist to my left, Tehran. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to say. You were just there. I was literally just there. Not even two days ago. Just so. flew in. So he'll Again. have a lot of commentary, like usual. He has commentary regardless, but now he's going to have even, <laughs> even more. more. Even more. This is, a, this is a situation that's near and dear to my heart. Of course, I'm very well versed in everything that's going on. And specifically, this circumstance, I was very aware of it when it was going on mm-hmm. in 2014. And so for it to be... This this really puts you in it, and it was crazy. Real, like that's what we were talking about—the realism, the way it was shot with the pa- real historical film footage, and then what they did. It's amazing. And then we have Tatiana Marisa. Hello, hello. She loves documentaries, and you're a big HBO fan. Yes. Definitely. So this is a great show for you to cover. Heavy but great. <laughs> Heavy. I'm in it, but it's it's good. This is really a documentary. I, mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. people realize how close it is to the actual story. There are, of course, a lot of embellishments. Time wise, there's a lot of embellishments how long it's taking it didn't take as long as this for certain things but it's still it's so deep i don't have feelings and i cry you know yeah, i don't have feelings true. i, I was like so... what my grandma's supposed to die I, I don't understand but with this i was like no not muhammad yeah it was it's so heavy all throughout there's not a second that's not heavy and mm. super packed with political and social constructs that we'll get into uh chapter three two packs of red next this is where simon's diving into the investigation uh finding trying to find any clues from the earlier abduction that occurred and 
leading having a lot of misinformation spread throughout the city and especially about Muhammad's or sexual orientation. And then chapter four, the Dawn Martyr. Um, and this is the heaviest episode I think that we've watched thus far. Super sad, but a lot of good stuff to talk about. And then we'll have some. We'll break down both episodes. We'll get into news and gossip, and. Maybe not predictions. <laughs> no. <laughs> some predictions if you guys have some. But like Tehran was saying, this is more of a documentary, so it's hard to do that. Let's jump right in. Um, so we open up with the investigation and kind of following the kidnapping. And I thought it was really interesting. We talked about this last episode. The mistrust between the police and the people and how... Cool the Palestinian people. There, there has to yeah, be a, yeah. a, a total separation of that because it's not like a mistrust of Israeli people with Israeli mm-hmm. police Palestinian people and a lot of people use the word occupation I mean conflict when so, it's an ac- occupation mm-hmm. so so to correct that and I, I I'm not on any side I'm very neutral in the stance in a lot of ways however when it comes to principles of social justice and, and things like that I will always err on the side of justice yeah well so speaking of that, I think that it just brings up an interesting point about how I don't think the police go in there with bad intent. They don't want to not do their job. But since there's so much mistrust between the Palestinians and them, they don't believe each other. And so that led to this kid being almost abducted and them not caring. And I thought it was a really cool scene, really heavy scene when they brought the family in and had the father there because I feel like they didn't really trust the mother's opinion. What did you guys think about that? Tatiana, I think <laughs> I think that they kind of uh, I think that they were trying to cover their butts is what I thought because um, what actually happened in the scene and when they brought the the family in uh, it wasn't the same. The cop was saying or the policeman was saying, you know, well you didn't say this and you said this, but I don't think he was truly listening in, in the beginning anyway. And that might be because yes, some things like that happen all the time, and so they just dismissed it. Um, but I, I think this one was obviously definitely different. Yeah, I thought he was completely covering himself and making putting words in her mouth, like Mm -hmm. she said. And it, I love Simon. I just think Simon's the perfect metaphor of what we should all be doing when we're questioning massive groups of people and stereotyping and trying to find the truth. He does it right. He's the clear head. Mm -hmm. Like he's got a very balanced, I feel, um, persona to him, and so he's he's the clarity of everything. Well, it makes me wonder if there was an actual Shimon when all this was going on. So, when you have this concept of the Shin Bet coming in, uh, um, I think they're the the Shabak, the Shabak, so it's like the Shin Bet is what they're called in Israel. Mm. Uh, when they're coming in, and they're like, so if you combine the CIA and the FBI into one, they're like the police side of like a Mossad, right? Mm. So, these guys are the top. The FBI's in right now. And the police officers who are on the ground, he says it himself. The officer says, you're not here. So you're not in. You're not here. You're not seeing what it's like out in the day-to-day basis. Something bad happened, and now we're getting thrown under the bus. But on the day-to-day, what are we supposed to do? We They don't have the manpower to do what is necessary. And especially, are we going to be honest, is the Israeli police as concerned about the Palestinian side of things I wouldn't. I wouldn't say yes. Jerusalem's a little different because it is a cohabitated city, and, and it's very segregated in that way, where there are Palestinians and Israelis living side by side in the city, uh, three hundred 
Palestinians don't have citizenship, but the rest do. It's very tense, a very tense situation. It's a little fragile. Day-to-day basis, everything goes good. But then when something sparks, Jerusalem is one of the first places that goes under. Yeah, well, I just think it's... We talked about it last week. I think this is why the show is so important because we have these issues across countries, across continents, where you have this buildup of oppression and political discourse and fights with each other. And when things do go wrong, you don't have the clean slate in your head. You judge it according to what you did in the day by day, Mm -hmm. which makes it hard for them to do their job. But that's why I love Simon as a character. And correct me if I'm wrong. He's the one more fictional character of them all. Uh, so I think that's a really important part of the story, and I'm glad that they included him because it sh- kind of shows what should be happening, in my opinion. I think they said that he was like a combination of a bunch of different um, people that were working on the investigation, and they just kind of combined him into one person. Yeah. Well, let's get into the investigation because speaking of Simon, he's he him. There was a few actually that started to really see the facts for what the facts were turning out to be, and the line that really got me was when they were like our killers are jews once they got to they got the footage they saw that they um bought energy drinks cigarettes and were speaking hebrew and the guy was able to say that from the surveillance which was really crazy because there was a moment where i I didn't know where they were going to go with the story but tehran you obviously knew historically what had happened did you when you're watching this did you know everything that was kind of going to happen for the most part so i know the outline of what happened and a lot of the news updates as they were given to us uh Uh, Both by Israeli news and uh, by Palestinian news authorities and Arab news authorities because they were it was so interesting watching this when it was unfolding because you would get three different sides of a story and then the truth. Mm -hmm. So you would get one side, which was an Israeli side, which was very pro, obviously pro Israeli. Then you get a Palestinian side, which was in a lot of ways very pro Palestinian. And you don't have to be anti the other to be pro Palestinian. Uh, the other then you got aside from the american news source and for example other arabic outlets and they were telling a different story completely and then the truth came out but when you're there you have to understand a lot of people still don't actually believe everything that happened in the story there are people in palestine that believe that the three boys that got lost uh which they haven't really they haven't really gone on about eval and naftali and gilad yet Mm -hmm. but they believe those. They found the boys, and then they just use it as an excuse. And then on the on the Israeli side, there are people that still that believe that um, that that Abu Khadr was, Muhammad was was a front just so they could have like an equal footing. The, the government was part of it and things like that. It's really crazy. Well, that's sometimes. the problem when you get in this like tribalism mode. You then they talk everything that a lot of them are saying is so. Like, we would never do that. They always do that. And that is so dangerous. And it's a good check for myself. I think anyone can really fall into that easily. When you're around a group of people that you can, like, you share beliefs with, of course you wouldn't think that. But there's always extremists in every group. There's good people on both sides. (laughs) (laughs) But in this case, there really are really good people on both sides. uh, And one person pointed it out in the show where they said, you know, they all look the same. Everyone looks the same. It, we're They're making it up as they go. Oh, this is this side and that's that side. They're really kind of one people if they, I mean, when it comes down to it, mm-hmm. people are just people. 
Tatiana, I'm curious your opinion. This is what really riled me up. When they brought that guy in for the interrogation, and um, he's a he's a Jewish man, and he's the one who posted the listing that framed Muhammad as being gay. And he said, instead of talking about those devils who killed three innocent Jewish boys, everyone will be talking about the fact that Israel is racist. It's a tragic distortion of reality. And he said that you'll see the murder will be remembered as an honor killing forever. Arabs kill a fag i hate i can't say that word that's how it is that's in itself it's worth a few cents what do you think about that i think it just goes to show how low a person can be mm-hmm. um for him to take that into his own hands i thought was extremely selfish in his mind he justified this as uh you know something that needed to happen and i think even simon was like you know what the heck what are you doing i get you're an idiot you know um, but I thought it, it that definitely that act carries over so much into any society that people will just, you know, stoop to the lowest efforts to kind of um, save face. And believe whatever reassures their dialogue, mm-hmm. whatever narrative they want to see, they'll be like, yeah, that's it. That for sure is what happened. But nobody did any like background like no that, one does though that went off and everybody was like oh i guess that's what it is uh-huh. no but that's what we asked. do now yeah. with the meme and the indoctrination is crazy and 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 in, to the story i don't know if that part is fictional either because a lot of people just do believe I that it was curious. media outlets and government agencies mm. uh which is not beyond any government of course uh. to put out this propaganda because of how fragile it was at the time yeah to try to elicit a different response and try to quell it before it goes too far, which it did actually go too far. It it turns into much more than a riot. Yeah, I thought that the whole framing him as Muhammad as gay was, I think, just geniusly done because you as a viewer start to question if that's true or not. And then you're like, it doesn't even matter because that's not what happened. That's not how he died, why he died. But it goes to show kind of how quickly things can be implanted in your brain and then you make assumptions. And Sure. But like I said, there are people on the Israeli side that still believe that Muhammad was gay and that this was was some type of honor killing. Because of that, which is not a very Palestinian thing to do, by the way. Uh, A lot of people don't realize it's not a lot of these things that we assume are religious aren't religious. They're actually very cultural. So Mm. depending on what part of the Middle East you are, this would be a thing or it wouldn't be a thing. It just depends the same way, depending on what part of America you're from. You have a lot of different ideas. But they did that with the Israelis. They kind of. I, I thought many people might be confused from the first and second episode because they did kind of show the differences between really religious and kind of old school, so to speak. Like super orthodox. Yeah, yeah, and not. And mm. the even Simon, how he is barely wearing any garb, and the only time he does is to go incognito. But it shows that Simon was raised ultra-Orthodox, right. and that was the whole thing. I think people need to know a lot of the context of what's going on. First of all, Israel is the size of, like, um, New Jersey, the whole thing. And and with him being ultra-Orthodox, that's what his... That relationship that you're questioning about why he has this thing with the rabbi, because he... From what we see when we meet his brother, mm-hmm. and he still keeps he even though he gives uh, <laughs> he Shimon he gives towel. Simon his his kippa he he puts a towel on and to remind him there's always God right uh, the concept is when he go, even when Simon goes into the doctor's house he doesn't shake her hand 
Why? Because they're orthodox. They're shomer nagia. So men don't touch women. Women don't. Uh, uh, women don't touch men. Interesting. You know, unless you're a family member. Yeah. I actually had to go back and like look more deeper into the culture of things that I had no idea because I had questions like that. You know, yeah. why didn't he shake his why did he put it to you know, I there were so many questions I had beyond what the message of the actual show was about that it um I like that it kinda opened, you know, my eyes to an entirely different culture that I, I only knew so much about. No. Being yeah. half Muslim, being half Jewish comes in handy only at these shows. <laughs> <laughs> only in these shows does it ever come in handy. Other You're literally perfect. perfect. <laughs> the, you are the audience. Oh my gosh. When they're when they're showing, when Simon's going into detail about the locations of different things, are you able to conceptualize I that better? I was literally just there. When they Crazy. showed things, like, okay, there's this part where everyone, uh, the Palestinians get Muhammad's body, uh-huh. and they're like, we need to go to Al-Aqsa. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have okay. to look that up. So, let me explain where Al-Aqsa is, okay? Can you wait till we get to oh, that yeah. bar? It's just crazy. It's just so crazy to me. I do want to get to that because that's like a main point I'm where so I was sorry. like, go, what? Go, go. I'm no, sorry. Do not, do not <laughs> it's apologize so crazy. to me. Um, okay, so we bring in the deputy DA of Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem District, Yuri Korb. Yes. And this brought another dimension to the investigation where it was coming from the cabinet that don't arrest anybody unless you're 100% certain because yesterday we were just the victim, which is just a really interesting point of view of how each of these groups of people are kind of taking it. They both want to be the victims and they both are a lot of the times. I mean, there's a lot of hurt going on on both sides. So I'm curious what where that will develop and that kind of started to change the way Simon was thinking which was a little bit surprising what do you think Simon's angle is of not wanting to pull the trigger with the investigation I think he just wanted to be sure because Mm -hmm. he understands what this will cause you know like the guy was telling uh, Hussein you know this is going to cause World War 3 like or World War this is going to be a world war it's going to be a bloodbath you know out there and so I think he just wanted to make sure because he knows how um, the depth of everything the weight it carries, you know, if he goes and he does this. But it also seems like he has a hunch that there's a little bit more to the story, that he doesn't think that three kids or three kids, one uncle could be responsible for something like this. So I don't really know. I feel like the uncle is there proof enough. But if you have an older figure that you respect and love, you'll listen to anything they say when you're young and impressionable. Sure, but all the evidence currently up to this episode is circumstantial. There's nothing that's this is definitive. Why here. I also have a law degree, which only comes in handy <laughs> for this times, show. <laughs> for example, for things like this. Yeah. So what am I doing here? Then? All what is circumstantial it? evidence. There is no actual proof there was no even even the confession was actually not a confession he never said this is what i did this is what we all did there was nothing so in a circumstance like this you do not want someone to get off on a technicality this is a mike brown this is a trayvon martin this is all of those times a thousand because you have a thousand years of history that goes on in each and every one of these circumstances so i think with shimon he's he's crossing his T's, dotting his I's and making sure. And the DA is on board with that. They want to make an arrest soon so that it 
at, at least there is some type of closure, disclosure. However, they have to be absolutely sure because let's say they do arrest people and they get off. Do you know how much worse that's going to yeah, be? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really difficult, and we see in America whenever we do, exactly. the, there's social implications involved in people who are really heavily tied into the people or the problem, we can screw up investigations. It, we do. When, when mm-hmm. the police officer... What, but we can what also happens worse when it honesty. happens and then when the police officer gets off and we're like, whoa, that's even worse because now you're saying that there's a collapse of the judicial system. The one fragile piece of foundation that we're clinging on to, that has, that has not served us. But and I think in, and then they can't bring them back in. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, I don't know. They might have different le- laws there. In America, we couldn't charge on the same crime mm-hmm. if we couldn't, if it wasn't found fully guilty. Yeah, double jeopardy. But I, I don't, I think that on all sides of it, there needs to be more transparency, transparency with governments everywhere, including America, because we have such a fear of people knowing things and finding out things and doing whatever they may with the information. And that's, you can't stop that. But I think that you can stop this false narrative that you give people like they're birds without free thinking minds. And then you cause riots in the street because they don't trust anyone. I mean, that's what oppressed people do. So I, I think, I hope every government is watching that and seeing what, what the heck happens when you do that. Before we get into Avi Shea and the uncle and all of our suspects, I do want to thank you guys for watching us at AfterBuzz TV and making us the ESPN of TV talk for us to continue to grow. We'd love if you would hit that like button on this video. Leave us a comment below if you're listening on iTunes. Give us those five stars. Leave us a review. Those are extra feisty and we love those reviews. But other than that, thank you. Okay, Avi Shea. Uh, he's so paranoid, high anxiety, high stress since the beginning, but even more so now. His stutter is coming back. I don't understand the relationship between him and Deborah Seagal, his psychiatrist. I'm curious what your guys' opinion is of her and their relationship and the extent of knowledge she might have on him. Tehran? Well, in my opinion, obviously Avishay has... And and I also question that angle of the mental illness. I hope that's not the angle that's going to be enforced when we see... Uh, it go go on where it's like oh well he was mentally disturbed and that's why this happened this was an atro- atrocious crime no matter what uh, and yeah. no one says that about hijackers for mm-hmm. example they were mentally disturbed well, clearly they are but that's the thing uh, I think yeah they call them extremists Deborah, for her to be a psychiatrist in an ultra orthodox community is a very difficult thing it's a very it's a close-knit community for most, and communication is not always the easiest thing. People don't talk. If you see how how uh, how uh, Yosef speaks with his father, for example, how that relationship is, is there's a lot going on. So she has her, the one thing she has going for her is trust. Everyone trusting her and allowing the, her into their homes is a very big deal. And she even says it. She says, I do well in these communities, which is her way of saying, I I keep my mouth shut. I know a lot of things and I know who they really are. Well, we found out they're all related in yeah. the entire community. Well, yeah, a lot of times. And that's actually a case as well. 
I I don't I don't know what her deal is. I think part of it is that in when really religious communities they don't always seek a third party help because they have God. And so that might be kind of her fear. Like I've built this trust because usually they only go to their religious readings or pray to their God. So I I don't know, but it's interesting that the uncle Yosef was also seeing him, and we found out that he has a violent past or not acted on violence, violent tendencies. He had this fear that he was going to do something violent to his newborn, Mm -hmm. his daughter. Yeah. Uh, Do you think it? I I don't know if it would serve the story any purpose, but I was kind of curious what his wife and family life was like because we're only seeing him with the his nephews which is kind of a really strange relationship yeah he almost treats him like they're his children i thought friends they're his friends a lot of times in the in orthodox families that's how it works the the cousins and the uncles and everyone is friends remember he's the youngest uncle so he's 29 Mm -hmm. and they are 17 and 18 going on 18 so relatively close in age they were probably raised in a very similar uh, not only just way but together Mm -hmm. so they are his best friends that happens especially in all foreign like my cousins are my best friends it kind of seemed though that he was like trying to because he seems like the shamed one Mm -hmm. and so it kind of seems like he was trying to get them on his side so to speak well, so he wasn't so much like the black sheep. Yeah. And it's weird him buying the gift for his dad, uh, Rabbi Shalom Ben da- Ben David. And that that relationship is really bizarre, but it makes sense because he didn't follow in the path that his father probably would have preferred him to be. But the wife really tripped me out um, when she found out the news about the three Israeli boys. Obviously, his it's mom. heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but Rabbi's wife. Mm. Yeah. It obviously it's heartbreaking, but she really was emotionally wrecked and it didn't seem like they were related directly. No, right? no, but this was listen, Bring Back Our Boys was yeah. trending in Israel for a very a long time. This was a long investigation. Just it was a big deal. The whole community was the impacted. whole country inside and outside, including the diaspora. Every temple all they talked about in temple was these three hikers and it was a very big deal how long did it go on for uh i think it went on for maybe 18 days where it was i guess i understand that especially when you're an older figure in the community and you've seen it all and you're trying to hope have hope but it is heartbreaking but that's when yosef really seals the deal somewhat on the investigation where he says dad has no idea trust me has no idea one day you'll see you'll be very proud of me and talking about kind of seeking revenge on the palestinian side and that leads us to mohammed the martyr and this is the heaviest part we talked about this last time but the dad is just one of the most incredible performances i've ever seen amazing Amazing and so heartbreaking. And uh, it was so crazy to see the police wanting to take to handle the funeral. And I mm. get it. It's a damage control. And now, Tehran, I would love for you to understand to, to okay. explain. So let me explain why this. OK, first of all, in the Muslim religion in Islam, there's a lot of specific ways to bury a body. It's very particular. OK, I'm now look this up at this point. You have an entire Palestinian community. 
uh, a little, I would, we're looking at Jerusalem, a little east of Jerusalem. This is happening just a little east of Jerusalem. Distance-wise, people think it's so far. This is 30 minutes away from everything. How like all the walk? 30-minute walk? No. From uh, where they're walking, it'll be maybe a 30-minute walk. Okay. Exactly. For where they're walking, it's a 30-minute walk to the middle of Jerusalem. Now, looking at if you're looking at Jerusalem, this is what's going on. The Wailing Wall, which is extremely sacred to all Jews. Okay? The Wailing Wall, the Dome of the Rock, where it is said that Muhammad ascended into heaven. Okay? Uh, the slab of rock that Jesus died on are all within a walking distance of, like, the grove. Wow. Okay? So it's like four blocks, four-block variation. And Al-Aqsa is the mosque that is, if you're facing the dome, it is to the right. It's it's a little, like, a block away from the Dome of the Rock, which is also in its own shelter, right? So if you have a whole bunch of Palestinians walking into Jerusalem, you are coming up to a whole bunch of Israelis and Jews who are from the wall. And that is just a conflict waiting, waiting to, happen. to happen. How did you guys feel in that moment where Muhammad's body is taken from the car? That was gut-wrenching to me. But I kind of understood because when they were saying... Um, that he's no longer just your son, he's our son. You kind of get how impactful this is to both both cultures and communities. Sure, but at some point it became just a cause to take up a cause, right? Mm -hmm. and, there, and there were other things that led up to this. So it wasn't just Muhammad. So we're talking from the day that the hikers were kidnapped, this is 18 or maybe 20 days at the most later where this happens to Muhammad. And during this time... I think that maybe almost close to almost 400. So over a little over 350 Palestinians are just arrested. Okay. Blanket. Everyone's getting punished. Conform like a uniform punishment for everyone. Uh, at the same time, maybe over 1500 uh, homes and, and businesses are just raided. No warrant. Just going in. So it was so much tension. And when the, this came, this is the powder keg, this is the fuse, and it's waiting to happen. So we still have the hiker investigation going on, which a lot of people in the Palestinian communities thought that this was a conspiracy just to do this. And then you also now have the death, a gruesome death, of Muhammad Abu Khadr. And so this is Shahid, he's, he's Shahid, he's the martyr, you know? Uh, it yeah, he said we deal. are all Muhammad. We are all Muhammad, yeah. Which is what happens, and it's it's crazy. It's what happens everywhere, especially in the black community in America. When a, a black person is shot or killed, that's what hap Like you feel it. Like we're all that then, and so I totally understand that. But I just feel like it is so. It's still atrocious to take someone's I son. I had to take a step back because watching it, I was like, I was angry. Mm -hmm. I put myself in his shoes, and the I thought, mom. if that were me. I would be pissed. I would sure. be pissed at everybody. I'd want to fight everybody. You know, don't take my son away from me. But then I had to step back and, you know, think about um, the culture and, and what yeah. exactly, you know, his son meant to everybody. And then it kind of, you know, put it into perspective for me. At this point, but it's not just the culture. At this point, it's an oppressed people. So let's, it's a concept of this is just our reason. This is, this is our reason. This about. is what we're going to pick on. I know. It's like, yeah. this is going to be our reason. We're all going to take up this cause. Yeah. And it could have been Ahmed. It could have been uh, Kareem. It could have been anybody. It just happened to be Muhammad. 
which is almost ironically the perfect name to have in this situation. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was just tragic. It's just a tragic situation all the way around. It was clear that his father quickly understood that as well because mm-hmm. he was he was not necessarily I wouldn't say for it, but he allowed it to happen. But what his father did was spectacular when mm-hmm. they were going to correct me Al Aqsa and he turned them around mm-hmm. and like changed the narrative a little bit he started changing the chant where are they headed now Tehran we're gonna have to find out <laughs> in episode 5 I like this because it's it's an episode 5 conversation really yeah okay oh. wow but one last question is it cultural that is there cultural reasoning behind the mom not being involved or any women involved in the walking of um, taking Muhammad's body? Are they involved in funerals? In yes. The, so this is this is different? more of a this is just a cultural thing. And I saw there's a couple lines that I, I had issues with. The the son comes in and is like, I don't want to be a woman who just sits here. I want to go. Sure, the men are basically going to wash and and clean the body and then, but the women would be very much like. They're at least involved. To. They're just, they're just, mm, this separation is more of, of, of an extreme thing. Uh, another one is we see with the Tahlim, with the settlers, we see someone saying they're just people who want a better place to live, where settlements, especially to Palestinians, just mean a lot more than that. It's, it's more of a strategy move. So they're putting in little tidbits of things that is a narrative for a story, you know? Mm-hmm. So. I don't know how the mom would react in real life. Obviously, we weren't privy to that information as we were watching the story unfold. She didn't want to see her son like this. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Mm-mm. Sheesh. I wouldn't have been able to identify the body. I'm glad his friend was there, family member, in that moment because yeah. that is just, I think, every parent's greatest fear. But Majid's agenda is a little in question, too, because he's also the one that turns around and says he's not your son anymore you know he's but t- coming from you that's rich Tehran because I feel like you're usually the realist in the situation like see, there's no winning like there's no there way is no winning, no. he would have been able to take his son's body by himself with his just his family yeah I feel I, like I mean he, he would have if he had done it at night if he had done it in secret like they were suggesting but like you the- just I feel like that's too many. Exactly, that's too many too, conditions. Yeah, it's too many conditions. It's just my, it's my son. By the end of the day, the way it's shot, this show, you constantly, it's like kind of like going through a really morbid game where you're like, I don't know what decision would have led to a different outcome. Like from the beginning of him going into the police cars for the investigation, I didn't know if he should do that because the Palestinians nearby were saying don't, like you can't even trust him. And then he ended up being interrogated and asked if his family, his his past family members in Hamas were the ones who did this. So, And then that part, like when they were like should he bury him here or there, I'm like I don't know. I don't know what would have been the right decision and that's the problem when there's no trust. It sucks for his father too because he's in the he's in the point of mourning and he also has to put on like the political um, hat you know and weigh that on his shoulders when he's dealing with the death of his son you know for him to have that level of a head you know I thought was uh, amazing. amazing it takes a lot of control mm-hmm. I mean I can only assume that that's how he acted considering that they you know interviewed him and spent a lot of time with his father um, but I definitely would not have 
handled it with as much grace at all heartbreaking well Tatiana you have some news and gossip for us I do I do have some news and gossip so I was reading yes I was reading um, actually in the New York Vulture um, they were talking about getting ready for the show and collecting um, you know different information to create a narrative and they were actually saying that the Shabak the, um, that the police collaborated very enthusiastically because they were um, proud of what they had done and they literally uh, gave them everything like hands down gave them everything so they were inside the Shabak very very deep inside and they said as much as it gets and they got lawyers they got all the materials they that the lawyers had on and um, they made video reenactments starring the perpetrators and um, we, they got a lot of background research about the situation in Jerusalem at the time. They got activist information. They got the information from everywhere possible in order to get it as close to the real story as it gets. Wow. I mean, I feel like it shows, like, that's, it feels like a documentary. Yeah. You're just, like, fully in it. But to have that much cooperation, I thought was really cool because mm-hmm. you don't see that a lot, especially mm-hmm. from, you know, police or government. Was that it for news and gossip? Thank you so much. For our special segment, we've been talking about one person who was involved in the project or in in this project. And to, I read a great article on Reuters. I believe that's how it's <laughs> pronounced. But it, they interviewed Muhammad's parents and in real life. And they were saying how extremely difficult it was to watch. And I just thought it was so powerful that they were able to be involved in this project and then able to do interviews and watch it and she said that the actor who played Muhammad looked so much like her son that she said quote I wish I could reach into the screen and grab hold of my son which it just like made me cry all over again but I think that the whole production and crew has done a really great job of being sensitive to the families and obviously able to get footage and cooperation like that so it's pretty amazing even though there has been a lot of backlash Um, which we can get into next week because we are running out of time. But, yeah, so that's that's my highlight, the great parents. But other than that, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Chapters 3 and 4. Tehran, where can people find you in the meantime? You can find me at I Am Tehran all across the board. And, of course, I'm paneling and hosting on a bunch of other After Buzz After Shows, much of them much more lighthearted than this one. (laughs) So if you you need something light... And Tatiana. I'm Tatiana Marisa on all social media platforms, and I'm also on other um, After Buzz After Shows. I'm Seth Sabra. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Seth Sabra. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys next week. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to After Buzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.